This is the definition of desire when you are inspired and you got to go the extra mile all the while, not every once in a while. This is the playbook. I like to do this every once in a while, bring on a coaching client to get an idea. Uh, A lot of people want to learn how to coach, want to learn how to hot seat coach, which is to me the most efficient and effective way of coaching, uh, but to learn from each other. That's uh, the mastermind philosophy of, you know, gosh, I wish I would ask that question. Let's get this thing rocking and rolling. Uh, welcome, Devin. What's your first question? All right. So um, right now I am in scale and growth mode of my real estate company. And I know we spoke about this before, you know, I'm, I'm focused on growing, recruiting. And, you know, one great tip you gave me before was just be in the bug light through your branding and you'll attract a lot of people. The good news is that I am attracting a lot of people that want to, you know, hop in my, my, and grow my real estate organization. But my question uh, is for you when you're interviewing people, right outside of the, the, the disc tests and all these things, you know, what are some of your favorite questions to ask um, interviewers um, that you find help you understand who they are a lot quicker and if they're going to be a good fit for your company, especially when they're 1099s and not salary hires? Yeah, so I ask questions at three levels. Uh, and the first is to determine if they have the skills and knowledge uh, as a baseline, as a basement to what we need. So, you know, I will uh, want to assess on where their skills and knowledge are because sometimes they may not have the skill, but it's an easy one to teach, or they may not have the knowledge, but it's an easy one to teach, or they may have knowledge of something that you never thought of, especially the who's of the world. Uh, and so I want to ask questions about the skills and the knowledge of what they know and who they know. Uh, and then I want to go ahead and focus in on uh, the, the three components of uh, number one, am I going to like working with you? Are you going to be aligned with my value? So I ask questions about being grateful, uh, which are easy to ask, right? You could ask questions about uh, a situation that may not obviously have light love and lessons in it and ask them how they would handle that. And if they seem to be a grateful person and a person who does find the light, the love and the lessons is a optimist or an optimist at the very least. But then I also want to ask questions to see if they are going to like working with us. So once again, you know, forgiveness is, is something that if you're going to work with me and work with my team, you got to be a forgiving person, an empathetic person, because we are making a ton of mistakes. We uh, are hiring for fast learners. Fast learners make the most mistakes, but they only make the mistakes once and they make a lot of mistakes. And if you are not a forgiving person, you're not going to fit in. You're not going to grow, accelerate and expand compound and aggregate of of what we do. Uh, The other third questioning, uh, whether they'll fit in or you'll fit into to to their life uh, is accountability. Uh, And usually the question I ask about accountability is tell me about the most challenging time in your life. And as they go and tell you, say, well, who's at fault? You know, who's and see if they're going to blame, shame and justification through a conversation. I'll test accountability four or five times uh, because I want people, you know, as close as they can to come to me and say, hey, you know, this is what happened. Uh, I learned from this. You know, I said to myself in so many terms, right, this is what I did. 
to attract it to myself. But here's what I learned from it is the bigger takeaway of what it is. And if I can determine the gratitude, the forgiveness, the accountability, I can start creating a metric of inspiration. Uh, you know, and so it's quite easy through the resume to see how motivated someone is, you know, where they got up, got started, got back started, got back up. But, you know, to see inspiration, you really have to see what they're doing to expand and grow and accelerate. So when I'm hiring today, I'm looking at the skills and knowledge as a basement, searching to see how they're aligned with, you know, synergistic or supplementary to what I need of the what in the who. Uh, but more importantly, I'm looking towards their mindset of gratitude, being forgiving by being a fast learner and forgiving others for being fast learners and also being accountable, determining how motivated they seem, but more importantly, how inspired they are. You know, one of the dangers of employees, one of the dangers of hiring, Devin, is that a lot of people go the extra mile every once in a while. Right. And so what they do is they go the extra mile every once in a while, utilizing that as a snapshot to tell you, hey, I'm doing all the right things. I'm saying all the right things. I'm thinking all the right things. I'm believing all the right things. And every once in a while, I'm feeling all the right things, too. But they go back and they'll hold that above you or leverage it or keep bringing it up. You know, I went, I, I, you know, I drove all the way, you know, six times at the Masters. You took me to the Masters, but I drove to South Carolina six times you know, great. Congratulations. You went the extra mile every once in a while. What I'm looking for is people that live in the empty mile, right? I want people to go the extra mile every day. I want inspired people. I want people who live in spirit. I want them to believe there's something greater than them that loves them more than they love themselves, maybe more than their mom loves them or they love their children. I want them to think every day I'm being promoted and protected by being in this organization, in this collective consciousness. If they're being punished, I don't want them, whether they are being hired or if I am uh, already have employed them. This will determine your ceiling. This is the definition of desire when you are inspired and you got to go the extra mile all the while, not every once in a while. Yeah, and, and you're obviously a coach too, so it's, that's something to work on for me because as a coach, you feel like you always, even if somebody comes in and they're not the right fit, you feel like as a coach, well, I can make that person the right fit. So sometimes I got to get better at detaching like my coaching mindset of, listen, if this person doesn't fit, don't think of it as like, let me just challenge myself to coach them to be the person that I want them to be. You ever run into that issue, especially with you being the coach you are? Absolutely. Well, I consider my coaching part of what I do. Coaching is bringing the best out in people. Uh, mentoring is, you know, allowing and giving direction to where you are. Uh, and then teaching is explaining how to get there. Uh, and so, you know, being a teacher, a coach, a mentor, but, you know, it's so important. This is why I only work with people, whether it's in a group setting, whether it's in a one-on-one -on -one setting, month to month, uh, because, I need to fire clients and they need to fire me. If there's not a quantitative value, I can't do the work for you. And look, 10% of the time, I'm not going to resonate with anyone. 10%, you know, I talk about this when I coach speakers, you know, the biggest problem I have with new speakers is they stand on a stage, 
and they get a hundred people for free at the chamber of commerce or their school that they graduated from or their local real estate breakfast club. And they get on a stage in front of a hundred people and 10 of them come up afterwards and go, Oh my gosh, Devin, you were amazing. Oh, and someone may even say, Devin, you changed my life. Well, it won't have mattered what you said. It's just the frequency you're on in spirit, inspired, connected to, and through them. Now, 10% of the people, no matter what, left there going, that guy's a moron. He's like fingernails on a chalkboard. He's like Tabasco in a wound. That's because you're so far off and you resonate at a frequency that's so far off of their channel and their tuning. It takes repetition and consistency to get to the other 80%. And so this is true about coaching. Look, I have clients, literally, that, you know, I'm a hot seat coach, so I do things very quickly. I'm on call 100% of the time, as you know, you're one of my older clients uh, with me. You, you know how much we get done in a short period of time. But I have clients like you that I promise you, I could call you a day and just give you my favorite quote. And you'd be like, oh my God, Dave Meltzer is so worth it. He's amazing. Because you resonate since the day you met me on my frequency. But look, there, there's some clients you got to work at. And uh, you know, even as far along as I am today with a huge wait list of clients, there's still clients that aren't right for me. And I push them off to Amelia or to other people that they are right for. Um, so the biggest part, the hardest part about being a coach of someone that doesn't resonate with you, Devin, is the need to be offended, right? I, I will tell you, even today, when someone tells me, you know, I was just too, I'm really not getting any value out of what it is. And I, you know, I'm like, why didn't you speak up? Right. But I can't tell you when they, you know, fire me and tell me I'm not valuable. That doesn't hurt my feelings, you know, for a couple of minutes. The key is to spend minutes and moments, then take the next person off the wait list and get moving to people that are on your frequency that you can help expand, grow and accelerate whatever methodology you use. Uh, but, you know, I encourage anyone to make sure your coach is month to month and guarantees what they do. And don't feel bad about firing them and don't feel bad if your coach fires you. It works the same way. It's just a matter of vibration and frequency. You know, that's one thing I admire about you. Well, man, one of many things is you, you, I listened to one of your um, interviews or podcasts and you were talking about when you asked for a donation from Mark Cuban Yeah, and he, like, he just says no, or if he says no, or he says, yeah, he's like, I don't care. Like sometimes he just says, no, I appreciate him. Just saying, I don't get offended. Right. I don't go, well, does he, you know, and that right there was just like, and that all goes with sales too. It's like, you know, not getting in your own head, becoming offended, feeling blame, shame, justification, all that stuff that you always say. Yeah. I, I also respect someone that'll give me a fast. No, as much as I love a fast. Yes. Yes. I don't love a fast. No, but I certainly appreciate it. And I'm always amazed how the most successful people that I know, you know, I'm blessed to be around billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers, but it's amazing. The ones the, the Super Bowl champions, you know, the, the, the Bob Proctors of the world, the Jack Canfields of the world, the Tillman Fertitas of the world, the Mark Cubans of the world, the Jerry Joneses of the world, they get back to me faster than anyone, right? <laughs> it's literally the make-believers that literally will tell you how busy they are because they're high, broke, and sick on their mom's couch. Uh, they're always living below the line in blame, shame, and justification. Uh, you know, just to give a huge shout out to someone like Mark Cuban, you know, and he said no to me way more than he said yes, but he always gets back to me so yeah. quickly. He's amazing. But my favorite was I'm blessed to be on the Olympic uh, 
U.S. Olympic Committee in the in the board. We I'm working with David Hodges with the USA Rugby team, and they're a little short on cash. And uh, so you know, I reach out to him real quickly, email him, said, "Hey, Mark, uh, we need a half a million dollars for the USA Rugby. Can you help us out?" He's a huge rugby fan. He literally within 30 seconds, he says, "NP 250k." No problem. Yeah. And he wired the money. Literally, I've never talked to him. And, you know, I'm just amazed how the people who are efficient, effective and statistically successful are the quickest to get back to you uh, with a no. And every once in a while with an amazing yes, with their generosity, uh, like that case scenario. And you're you're for those of you that haven't had the experience to text back and forth with Dave, if you're on this call, wondering, man, is he like this? A million percent. One of the busiest guys I know, if I text you, boom, it's like most times it doesn't take longer than a minute or two minutes and I get a response. And it always amazes me because then I hold myself accountable when sometimes I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, what excuse am I going to give myself right now for not responding quick? Meanwhile, you're running 80,000 companies and you're very responsive to me. Well, there's not busy. There's only active and accessible, right? I don't, you know, these lenses of productivity make me active and productive the lens of accessibility makes me accessible to everyone and creating systems to make sure I'm accessible. Now, I'm not the, like you said, my, my text messages aren't, par- you'll never, I've never yeah. texted a paragraph unless it's cut and paste from somewhere. Uh, but I'm like Mark, you know, NP, the, the worst is when I'm moving too fast and somebody says to me, like my wife, hey, Dave, do you want to go to Chinese food or Italian food? And I'm going so fast and I text back within a minute, yes. And it drives her nuts, right? <laughs> She's like, yes is not the answer. You got to pick. Uh, and Colleen is uh, also listening in. She, she's been a victim for over a decade. Uh, she started as my executive assistant, ended as my president, but drives her nuts when I give her, she gives me choices and I say yes. Yeah. All right. Do we got, uh, do we got time for one yeah. more? Oh, we got, yeah, we got 15 more minutes. I'm going to take questions about 730. So keep hammering me, man. The faster, the better. Awesome. So I have another um, thing I need help with here is outside of the real estate um, company I have, I have a few other things going on, um, whether it's a, a, a coaching or a coaching community, coaching company and a software company. And some the software company is on, it's still in the beginning stages of it. And I'm starting to realize, man, I can't, be doing all I can't be doing lead generation for three different companies right now, right? So I'm thinking in my head, if I can bring on a salesperson, right? How would I, especially if it's just, hey, they get paid off of the commission, like what have you found? Um, you know, what model have you found for salespeople uh that, you know, again, another 1099 scenario, hey, the more you sell, the more you can make. Is there a specific model or framework that you use for, you know, to, to bring on somebody that want to make the, wants to make the extra money and sell software or, or coaching or something like that? So I use in Jakey Bakey's one of my best business development people. And I use a three stage process for everyone. One is the learning stage. So no matter what the position is, but especially sales, uh, I'm going to give someone 90 days uh, to watch me. And I'm going to give them commissions on the deals that I close. They're not going to say a word. They literally are shadowing me for 90 days. They're on all the calls. They're going on the trips with me. They're, they're learning and just watching and absorbing. 
Uh, and, you know, after 90 days, then we go into the execution uh, phase or stage where I work with them. So uh, we're, he's speaking up on the calls. He's integrated in the calls. Still, once again, getting paid for all the production. So not only is he getting alignment, but the compensation may be better in the first 90 days than it was in the next 180 days when he's participating because his statistical success of participating is actually going to diminish my statistical success because I've done, no one knows my business better than me. No one can sell it better than I can and articulate the quantitative value to see what I'm asking for better than me. Um, so I think it's funny. Sometimes they make more in the first 90 days shadowing and getting a percentage of everything I do than they do working with me on the deals. Um, but after somewhere between 90 and 180 days, uh, all I do is supervise. So now I'm on the calls completely quiet and giving assessment afterwards, subtle, maybe interrupting every once in a while. If, you know, if I'm going to lose a deal because the guy's not getting it or the girl's not getting it, but uh, usually the three, that's called the equity stage. Right. And so, but what that allows me to do now is right when I'm done with that, the supervising for 90 days, uh, after about a year, 90, 180 and 90, uh, people can now shadow Jake and Jake does the same thing or the person. And so this is the exponential scalability of how I build businesses. And it may seem slow, but it's the only way that you can carry the same values, the daily practices. You know, we live by every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live by the values, gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration, effective communication, right? We live by the five daily practices of what, who, how, now, and applying your why. We all live by that because they see me just like my kids. They don't listen to me. They watch me. And I give them an opportunity for 90 days to watch. We watch each other for 180 days or so. Then 90 days, I watch them. By that time, if I can't get someone to the equity phase where they're making three times as much for me than they make themselves, then I haven't utilized and I failed them because after 90 days, I can get a feeling even when they're watching me, whether they're going to work out, whether they have the skills, knowledge, the gratitude, forgiveness, and accountability to make it um, and are utilizing the values and the daily practices, student of their calendar, staying engaged, not lying to themselves is a big one. So many people, and I used to call it lying to me, Devin, you know, I'm sure you have, you have such a big agency. People have lied to you uh, in your work, right? About a variety of things. Yeah. I stopped saying that. They're just lying to themselves, right? And a lot of times I find that people are so afraid to disappoint me. They're so afraid to disappointment that they would rather lie to themselves and then project that lie onto me. And it's such a huge compliment. So I don't want to give it a negative thing of saying, hey, you're lying to me, but I want to take it a compliment in the fact that you're so afraid of disappointing me that you're lying to yourself and then carrying on that lie to me. But when you start taking this perspective, people start realizing, man, I can be accountable. You know, I, I'm human. I forgot. What a wonderful thing to say to someone. Guess why? Because I forget all the time. That's why I created all these systems so that I can capture information you know, and access it because I cannot, you can't even imagine with all the businesses, people coaching, private group, level. there's millions of people all around me. I can't remember, but I created systems and I'm okay telling someone, Hey, I dropped the ball on this. I forgot, 
but I'm not going to lie to myself anymore. And I'm not going to project that onto others and discredit myself by being uh, seen as a liar. Yeah. I'll tell you, man. And for those of you that are listening to this call, you are a, a lot of things that could happen throughout your day. You've mastered just seeing things in a different lens so you can continue to push forward in a positive way. As an example, what you just said right there, if somebody's lying to you, like now my mindset completely changes. Like I'm not like assuming I'm not ready to jump on somebody for lying. It's like, hey, maybe they just didn't want to let me down and they're lying to themselves. Like just that shift. Let, let, right. let me give you let me give you a golden one. And you, this is a funny story because this talk about I call it minutes and moments, right? I spend minutes and moments in ego based consciousness, right? Need to be offended, need to be right, need to be separate in fear. This one's changed my life. And it's recent that I did it. When someone I care about, right, when somebody I care about does something to me, that's not nice. That may be lying to themselves and projecting it. May, when, when somebody does something uh, that, you know, you, I can't believe they've done that to me. I can't believe my sister did this to me. You know, you know what I do? I change the whole paradigm, man. I say to myself, what's the worst thing I did to my sister? Now, I'm not going to list those out because unfortunately, I, I, I'm not at peace with myself enough to embarrass myself of some of the shitty things I've done to my older sister. Um, but Needless to say, I have not been a perfect brother to my sister. And I say to myself, how much do I love my sister? I can tell you this. I love my sister. I will lie in front of a bus for my sister. You know, I may have said not nice things about my sister, but God forbid you do, right? I, it's coming down. I, I love my sister. Oh, I feel so strongly about my sister. I love my sister, but yet I've done shitty things to her. Hmm. Maybe when she does shitty things to me, she actually feels the same way. And these are just human aspects and human snapshots of a circumstance that has put her into her lower self, a lower vibration freak. Maybe she's tired. Maybe she's hungry. Maybe she doesn't want to disappoint me. Maybe she's afraid that I'll, she'll hurt my feelings. Because I've, I've lied to people and hurt people over those reasons as well that I totally love. You know, I won't even go into my, how I feel about my mom and how many times I've lied to my own mom, right? Are you kidding me? So if you could shift that paradigm, a complete sense of empathy by saying to yourself, okay, this was a really shitty thing you did to me. Friend, associate, employee, family member, this is a really shitty thing that I heard you said about me or you did to me. But instead of having a need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, upset, take a second, stop, breathe, and say, how much do I care about this person, right? And have I ever done something like that to that person or someone like that person? Does that make me a horrible person? Does that make me not want to have a relationship with that person? Or do I want to be forgiven? And I try to do better next time. This has changed. Now, the funny thing is I told my wife that, right? And she said, uh, sorry. <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> and that, that goes back to, you know, you always talk about just holding yourself accountable for everything that happens to you. Yes. You know, that's what it reminds me of. It's like, hey, I don't care what this person did. It's like, was I a good, you know, what could I have been a better brother? Could I have been a better 
son, could I have been a better husband? And that's kind of what it, this reminds me of that you always preach about too. And as a leader, man, for it's just all this stuff matters in your business, like all these little conversation shifts, because it, one of these conversations, if handled the wrong way in the beginning of your day, can screw up your whole day. If you don't know how to handle it the way you're telling people how to handle it. Yeah, well, not just days, right? Days, weeks, months, and years. People accelerate in the wrong direction and then attract more of the wrong direction to them, more obstacles, voids, shortages. And you've expanded and grown in this capacity. You are someone who has, you know, started out trying to go get happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. But now you have shifted your own paradigm. I see it from the millions of dollars that you make to the group that you built to the coaching you do. I see it. You are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Now you're on a journey trying to figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. Your mindset, your heart set, and your handset have you you were like a, a bull in a china shop when I met met you, right? The Philly, fiery Philly kid, right? You you'd make it happen. You'd run through a wall for your family and friends and me. And, and I was like, you don't got to run through the wall. You don't got to go over the wall, under the wall, through the wall. Let me teach you. Here's a little key. Let me teach you to turn the key and walk through the wall. There's a nice big door right here. And it's called the truth. It's called love, light, and lessons. It's not called ego-based consciousness. There is no wall. There's only a key. And you have learned that key, the key to success, happiness, passion, purpose, and profitability that has made you a leader and someone who you know, once again, is one of my 1000, a mentee who will empower over a 1000 people to empower over a 1000 people allowing us to create even a bigger collective consciousness of abundance of more than enough. I got one time for one more brother. Cool. So the the, the next stage, um, and I kind of talked to you about this too, is what do you, and for those that are listening, what, what do you find is the best kind of the do's and don'ts of starting a podcast? Like what did you learn from? Hey, for anybody on this, let me tell you what not to do when you start a podcast. And let me tell you some of these hacks that can really help you big time. Yeah. Well, first get a technology list, get an inexpensive technology list so that you can do podcasts anywhere in person. You can do podcasts on the phone. You can do them zoom, whatever, make sure you have, you know, from someone that's doing a top podcast. And if anybody wants my technology list, I am happy to send it out. David at dmelter.com. I have a list of stuff. And you can get this, you know, the, the inexpensive, medium and expensive. But, you know, we have a list. So you just know what equipment to have Two, go ahead and put at least five, if not 10 episodes in the bank. Do not publish a podcast until you have a minimum of five, but at least 10 in, in the can. Uh, and trust me, you will thank me. Uh, for having that there, not only because you get so much better and you can start seeing, but it also gives you a repository. So, you know, if you're getting a feel for the best days and times and, and guests or, or format that it enables you to have, you know, that, oh, I got to miss a week. Oh, doesn't matter. I got 10 in the can and you'll get ahead of the game from the very start. Uh, two, do not put your attention and intention on the outcome of the podcast. Do not. Let me give you the example. The interval of time uh, between the causes of, of putting together a podcast and the outcome that you want to be a top podcast. So many people, they want to be a top podcast so bad that, you know, it's like the Amazon book scam, right? They go ahead and take a snapshot. They get everybody to buy, you know, 40 books at the same time. And for three minutes, you're number one Amazon in your category. 
The same thing holds true in a podcast, right? You can all of a sudden they're ranked up there with me and Gary and Ed and Tom, but look, those numbers are available. It's like the people who buy followers and you, you see now they're like exposing them. Uh, all you're going to do is lose credibility. The last thing you want to do in your podcast is lose credibility and, you know, say something that isn't necessarily true. So don't put your attention and intention on the outcome, put it on the cause. Let me give you an analogy real quick. So you're in Philly, I'm in San Diego and I come to Philly and I say, Hey man, let's drive to San Diego. You drive your car. I'll drive mine. And, and, you know, Devin's sitting here going, Oh, I can't wait to get to San Diego. I love San Diego. Can't wait to get in the weather. I can't wait to go to the beach. Can't wait to stay at these beach house. I can't wait. Oh, I'm going to be so happy when we're in San Diego. And I go and I say to myself, all right, What's the best directions to San Diego? How fast can I drive to San Diego? I'm going to pack my food so I don't have to stop for food. I'm going to bring a jar so I can take a pee on the road. How am I going to get to San Diego productive, accessible, and gracious with my time? Two things happen, right? I'm putting my attention and intention on the cause. You're putting it on the outcome. Same thing holds true in a podcast. What happens? I, I get to San Diego faster than you, no doubt, in pragmatic time, man-made time. But let's say somehow you got a faster car, or you're a more talented podcaster than me, or you know bigger guests than I know. You may, even in man-made constructive time, get to San Diego faster than me, even though I focused only in on the cause and you only focused on the outcome, but your skills and knowledge were far greater than mine. Your talent, your quantum memory, inherited energetic and genetic inheritance is just better than mine. Even though that's true, in relative time, which is the emotional aggregation of energy, in relative time, even though it took me two and a half days and it only took you one and a half days to get there, relative time, I would have wasted far less emotion and energy and it would seem to me that I got there faster than you. I would actually be more productive, accessible and gracious than you would. I would have a clearer connection to the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing. So what I want you to do in the podcast is focus in on the cause, right? The, the audience will grow. We talked about the 10% on the top, the 10% on the bottom. The 80% in the middle will grow the more consistent you are. You know, there, there's a variety of podcasts, you know, the, about there's a big audience, there's real estate podcasts, there's, you know, unbelievable, you know, wine podcasts, there's all kinds of podcasts. The people who focus in on the cause build the biggest communities and have the most successful podcasts. That's my biggest advice. The technology, putting 10 in the can. And of course, no, to thine own self be true. Focus in on the cause. The interval, the interval of pragmatic time and relative time between cause and effect is time. Time is what exists between cause and effect. The best way to speed up that time frame to reconcile patience and persistence is to focus in on the cause and give it all your intention. Do say, think, believe, and feel the five levels of intention. All right, we made it to 732 here in California. That's 1032 in Philly. They got better cheesesteaks in Philly than we have out here in Southern California. Geno's and Pat's. One has better bread, one has better meat. That's what I've learned so far. The incredible Devin Donova. He is also one of my uh, mentee coaches. So he's coaching thousands of people, uh, incredible real estate entrepreneur and just all around entrepreneur. Where can people reach out to you? Yeah. So you can go right to my website, devindenofa.com. 
And on my website, I actually have access. You can opt into my private community that's on my website too. So everything you need to know about me is on devindenofa.com, D-E-V-I-N-D-I-N-O-F as in Frank, A, or devin at devindenofa.com for email.